Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. With his huge mop of blonde hair, his tie askew, and his shirt escaping from his trousers, he looked like an overgrown schoolboy. Yet with his imposing physical build, his thick neck, and his broad Germanic forehead, there was also something of Nietzsche's ubermensch about him. You could imagine him in lederhosen, wandering through the Black Forest with an axe over his shoulder, looking for ogres to kill. This same combination, a state of advanced dishevelment and a sense of coiled strength, of an almost tangible will to power, was even more pronounced in his way of speaking. Uh, Toby <laughs> Young is so gross. Toby Young Toby is Young so describing gross. his first experience of Prime Minister Johnson when um, they were at Oxford. <laughs> talking about how much he wants to lick the sweat off oh, Prime Jesus. Minister Johnson's back. Oh. We have to call him Prime Minister Johnson. We have to give him his full name. There was a big... Um, like push, well, I say big push. It was a push from a few people on Twitter. Said, "Can we call him Johnson? Can we not call him <laughs> Boris?" Unfortunately, calling him Johnson just makes me think of Alan Johnson mm-hmm. from Peep Show, and I'm afraid I will be voting Conservative because <laughs> I have to call him Johnson. Do you think Toby Young has like a was it a Daki Makura, the Japanese body pillow of Boris Johnson of Boris? Yeah, like and him, Nietzsche. Him looking like yeah, he probably does have one of Nietzsche, but like Boris, like looking like. Like in lederhosen on the front, looking all like serious, and then on the back, coquettish. <laughs> coquettish with an axe. Yeah, there's some, there's, there is something really weird about, it's like, there's something weird about just how horny fascists get for bigger fascists. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even like they want to have sex with them, it's just they want to look at statues of them. He's, he's... Like, Toby Young, as soon as Boris is finished, which, you know, God willing, is in under a year. He's going to be starting trying to start a campaign to have a statue of him made. Yeah. To put up somewhere important. Because we're going to get a statue of Boris. We're going to get a statue of mm. Boris within the next five years. I don't think it's called... It was the thing Boris said. The reason he went into, wanted to go into politics rather than stay as a journalist because they don't build statues of journalists. That was literally <laughs> one of the things he said. Uh, excuse me, George Orwell. <laughs> is there a statue of George Orwell? Oh, there is Outside the, the BBC, isn't there? <laughs> Best place to put a right wing cop. Um. <laughs> no, I love I love how um, like Toby Young's borrowed a trick from the American press, where it's mm. like whenever they're describing some. Hang on a minute, are you telling me that Toby Young didn't have an original idea? <laughs> it's it, it, it it's original certainly because people don't tend to go in for that since you know the seventeen hundreds and they were describing a king. Yeah, but that trick where like. They got some fat old conservative, like mm. who has never ever done any physical exercise in his entire life. No, I saw Boris and, Johnson uh, push over that child. Yeah, and and like say, oh, and he throws plates at walls. He's got he's got <laughs> such, a lot of exercise. You could see underneath his thick frame, he had such strength. Yeah, I'm not trying to fat oh, like shame. Those, um, I'm not trying to fat no. shame or anything, but it's a bizarre pretending like, that they're analogy not what thing. They are. It's like look at look at how how like what a good prime minister he is. Look at his physicality. Yeah, it's like the you know? Ben Garrison drawings of um of Figgy Trump's arms, mm. where he's like got oh, thick up, thick forearms that look like cables. It's necessary to have a big ripped prime minister. Yeah. When that has never been the case. No, we've ne- I don't think we've ever had like a physically imposing okay. prime minister. Who is the most? Yeah, who's who's the most physically imposing prime minister? I was. So, I, I don't know what Lord Salisbury looked like, but he's got that huge beard and he looks thick as hell. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, yeah, Tony Blair. He, you know, Tony you know, Blair. No, no. Tony Blair was more like 
getting other people to do all of his murderings for him. Yeah. I don't think I try. I can't think of any of them as being. We don't really have that kind of upper class. We don't have that kind of aristocracy because America's aristocracy is relatively younger. So you might have had because you know, like the reason the way you get to become an elite member of society is by being the largest lad in the town who yeah. kills all the other ones. So then the town's yours. And in America, that was only like five generations ago. Whereas here, it's like it goes back to 1066. And years of breeding like pugs since then have created some real weird looking fuckers. And none of them that could like throw a punch. So what you're saying is we need to reintroduce the warlord gene into our into our ruling class. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know how you would do that. But apart from like a load of very selective lottery wins, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. Ugh, fucking Boris. But yeah, what else happened this week? Um, Love Island's done. Oh yeah, okay. How was I? Don't watch Love Island. I, I have no idea it. about its mechanics. It's you a, love it. Um, yeah, of course. Because okay, um, wife's very busy at the moment. Yeah, and so we're very tired. And then at nine at night, it's pretty much all we can like mentally deal with right and she you don't need to make an excuse it's fine to lie well that's why she won't she won't watch jojo with me (laughs) and she won't watch she won't watch any of the anime i suggest (laughs) um so we watch that because it's you know it's easy just so you watch british anime (laughs) yes you just put it on and just watch that and if this season was all right um tommy fury is is a nice nice seeming boy he seems like a nice lad yeah that was a tyson um, fury's little brother yeah, Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury's little brother, who seems very nice. Oh. Um, but the one who won was Amber, this black girl, and it's very nice that she won, because it's obvious that she won, not the bloke she was with. He seems nice enough. They seem to get on. But mainly it seems like... Seem to, it seemed that voters They seem just... to get on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't tell me this was true Love Island. <laughs> All right? I just heard Love Island and thought, you know... It should just be called Friend Island, because then it would have been much nicer. <laughs> I reckon it would be way, way nicer. Oh, yeah. Friendship Island. Friendship Island. Lovely. That's my, my pitch. Because they're doing another. Well, one. Friendship Archipelago. I mean, yeah, but um, I have to downgrade the budget a little bit if you're not getting any blowjobs underneath the, <laughs> underneath the blanket. Yeah, this this year was a hornier year than normal. normal oh, really? It's not that horny this uh, year because of the heat, maybe. Um, I don't know. There were just a couple of them that seemed particularly horny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was nice enough, and it was nice that you know it was it was it's nice when you see people voting in a way that feels nicer. If you know what I mean. They like nice people rather than rewarding bad behaviour. Like yeah. I like I watch yeah. Big Brother a lot. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of um, there was a lot of rewarding in the before times. There was a lot of rewarding nice people, yeah. which was which was very nice. So mm. that's that's just finished, which is which is good. Mm. I'm glad it's over now because <laughs> now I can get Holly to watch JoJo. <laughs> so Boris has announced his cabinet. Yeah, uh, we missed it last week. Mm-hmm. He, I think he'd just been appointed at mm-hmm. that point. Um, there were three. I think before he was appointed, there were three uh, three ministers who said they wouldn't serve under Boris. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip Hammond, Chancellor, Justice Secretary David David Gawker, 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 I don't know, mm-hmm. and Rory Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, rest... Rory Stewart said he's going to go walking, <laughs> walking to get in touch with his ancestral lands. Um, I, I don't know what he's doing. He's going to. Walk around and learn more about how you know savages can't rule themselves or something. He's just going to keep talking to people in gardens. Um, yeah, in your front garden. He's there now. <laughs> He's in the garden now. He's there now. It's Face like, FaceTiming. I tell him to get out, but he says it's a public right of way, and he's a rambler. <laughs> you can't get rid of him. Um. 
So yeah, he's filled it with the more the right wing tendency in the Tory party. Um, That's a bit unfair to refer to people like Sajid Javid, Dominic Raab, and Pretty Patel as right wing. God, of course, because of course it's 2019. This had to be the way it went. So legitimate criticisms of the top jobs mm-hmm. in the cabinet taken by Sajid Javid, Pretty Patel, and Dominic Raab was met with why like. Dan Hodges talking about how this is the most racist and virulent the Labour Party has ever been. Look at them attacking people just because they support hostile environment policies. Look, don't be mean about Boris Johnson. His grandfather was a Muslim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> Boris Johnson is a POC. Yeah, he is. Incredible. He- Beautiful. You can't, you can't beat this time. People listening in posterity won't understand what it was like. <laughs> So looking at pictures and saying, am I missing something here? <laughs> this man looks profoundly white. He looks horrendously white. Devastatingly white. Yeah. But no, no, he's not. Mm. He's not, apparently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. white enough to be saved from his own hostile environment policies. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's... Uh, you're going to look at the lower members of the, the cabinet. Um, well, we've got some, like, just... People that you haven't heard of before. Okay. Because this is the thing. There's like He's crammed it full of horrible right-wingers mm. because he can, mm. but also because there's not many people who are willing to take these jobs anymore. Yeah, presumably because... Remainers aren't going to be appointed to the cabinet because, I mean, A, he wants to fill it with as many leaves as he can to try and stem the flow mm-hmm. to the Brexit party. Well, he's got some Remainers in there. But, um, but presumably but... also to get them over a, a, a barrel because he doesn't want yeah. kind of ructions within his cabinet yeah but there's also this thing like even if if i was a tory mp yeah i'm getting to character tighten my opera cape (laughs) if i was a tory mp i wouldn't be in his cabinet why would you if you were if you're a smart brexit tory Mm -hmm. why would you be touch anything that he does with a barge pole Mm. like um you we were talking earlier and you were saying like weirdly the party that most wants Brexit not really to happen is the Brexit party. Yeah. Not like the people who vote for it and it's and, and people like that, but like, you know, it Farage would, and that. Like, like, they want this to last forever. They don't want a, any kind of proper Brexit because yeah. what's the point of them then? And I think it's a philosophical point for them. No Brexit, whatever Brexit is in reality, mm-hmm. will never be the Brexit that they want mm-hmm. politically in their or in their, you know, in their ideologies. Yeah. So they do not want a real Brexit to happen. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, so they don't—they don't have any smart people in there. <clears throat> no one smart is going to take these jobs. Yeah, um, Michael Gove is back hit with the weird job. Oh, he's a Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, which yeah, he's either in means... charge of um, where Figgy's biscuits come from, um, Charles's biscuits, and yeah. stuff like that. It's—it's it's the same place. <laughs> Still Fortnum and Mason. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, so that means that's a kind of one of those weird uh, everything jobs, mm-hmm. or everything or nothing jobs, because it could be kind of shunted to the side and mm-hmm. uh, be a mainly ceremonial role, yep. or he could be one of those like weird minister without portfolio yeah, kind of kind of figures. Like in, to put it in a new Labour context, it would be like a Mandelson job yeah. or a Charlie Faulkner job. Yeah, you know, um, there's a couple of people that are like literal like no name Tory failures. Like there's the Defence Secretary Ben Wallace. Former ski instructor. What? I've never heard... God. That's, that's what I mean. It's only 600 people. I should really know. Yeah. Or maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's like a former soldier and a friend of Boris. Just a, bit, a long-time yeah, friend of sure. his. Yeah, sure. Um, 
But then you've got people coming back, like Andrea Ledsom, who I remember when we were doing the like um, the Tory leadership stuff. Oh yeah, and says stuff like. The one that when she was uh, um, when she was at the treasury was described as the worst we've ever had, um, <laughs> with people saying that she finds it hard to make decisions or remember facts. Um, <laughs> when she got to the when she got into this job, she when I first came to this job, one of my two questions was: Is climate change real? The other was: Is hydraulic fracturing safe? And on both of those questions, I am now completely persuaded. Did she? Did she say how? Um, no, she did not. She <laughs> Um, I do like that you can get a job as business, energy, and industrial strategy secretary, and not have a not have an opinion on climate change <laughs> that you could easily be swayed one way or the other. And I think is I think she probably doesn't believe in climate change. I imagine she probably thinks that, that hydraulic fracturing is safe. I think she think she'll be one of those people who thinks that climate change is real, but thinks it's been exaggerated mm. and thinks that any method to combat it is socialism. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, she's um yeah, she's a proper weirdo. Um Matt Hancock is there. I remember him vaguely, yeah. He was health secretary before and he's still That's there because health right. secretary yeah, is yeah. a bad job to have. Yeah. He's the one who's you know said that he'd never privatise anything and then he just carried on yeah. privatising things. Um he is dreadful, utterly dreadful. Gavin Williamson's back with his spiders. Um now he's <laughs> oh, yeah. an education secretary taking spiders to oh, schools. Oh god. Um he it's like a lot of this is like for services rendered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Gavin Williamson, apparently was a lot to do with how the votes were being arranged in the in the leadership contest. He was he yeah. was going up against he was going up to people and saying vote for the also ran so yeah. that there are less votes for this particular yeah to make sure yeah. that by the end it wouldn't be Boris versus someone like Gove who would Gove muddy the waters would be the one, with yeah. just shouting yeah um, and I say shouting unfair accusations like was well, like um Boris Johnson's Wikipedia that describe that has when you see the bit of children and it says five or six which is <laughs> it's a I like the now <laughs> it's good to have our prime minister how many children it's good five to have all six it's good to have all of the all of the information mm. it was like know, when he moved in and they were talking about like because he's not moving in above number 10 because that's only a two bedroom it's flat legendarily small yeah it's a two bedroom flat yeah. so he's moving above number 11 which is a four bedroom flat because when it was built all the prime ministers had like country piles yeah <laughs> um, well they get their country piles as well still mm. now but um, anyway he's moving into the four bedroom flat with his girlfriend and there were people. There was like a talk on the radio about like, is it okay for him to be moving in with his girlfriend when um, he still hasn't divorced? Figured it's like I don't really care. But the bit that was funny was like they won't say whether there's um whether the government's going to be paying any money to his kids, <laughs> um, and they wouldn't say whether any, and they said that none of the kids are going to be living with them. But so these two people need a four bedroom place. But Sajid Javid's got quite a large family, and they have to live in a two bedroom place. Oh yeah, that's what um, Blair and Brown did. That didn't they? Yeah, that was like pub trivia for yeah. fucking 10 years that yeah. Tony Blair lived in number 11 and mm-hmm. Gordon Brown lived there but like yeah, lived in number 10 yeah. um, and Gordon Brown didn't at that point uh, at that point I yeah. don't think he did no. but um, but yeah it's just funny that I just think it's funny that more that it's. I don't really give a fuck if he's living with his, with his girlfriend it's more that they need four bedrooms yeah there's it's surprising, really. I mean, it's not that surprising. I don't. We need think... someone to paint his train, paint his buses. Obviously, we live in the Trump era now. Yeah, and like none of that matters anymore. No, like personal moral conduct oh, conduct no. is absolutely yeah, yeah. to the extent that it ever was. Even if it's public now, just does not matter. But you can see that I did see there was Nimco Ali mm-hmm. um, retweeted an article. I think it was in Cosmopol- like Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. What like a magazine like that about Carrie Simons, mm-hmm. 
um, talking about, oh, she's a tough, modern, modern woman who's not afraid of environmentalism. Like, you know, that kind of, yeah. like, puff piece. Um, and it definitely, it, like, started off, like, ah, oh, South London-born, <laughs> went to, uh, like, Durham or, or Cambridge or somewhere like that. It's like, mm. I looked it up, South London, South West London. Mm. But, you know, they left the West off to give yeah. her kind of, like, a rub. Mm-hmm. To, to make you think of her as a particular kind of way. It's like, oh, I can trust Boris because the woman he left his wife for, she's a tough... The woman he left his wife for this time. She, she's a tough, forward-thinking, literal member of the ruling class. Yeah, there's, there's a weird thing of, like, you're not allowed to judge them for what they do in their private life, but you're supposed you are to expected think better to, of them. You're supposed to think, they, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, which is just annoying. You're supposed to, your worries are supposed to be assuaged. Mm-hmm. By the comp- the company they keep at home. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, so um, Gavin Williamson is uh, education, and it's weird. I can see why, because he, what, you have to give him a job, but you have to give him a job where it doesn't matter if he leaks everything, because it, he's got nothing to leak now. Also, it feels like all of the kind of big changes in education happened under David Cameron. You know, kind of accelerating mm. faith schools and academies and things like yeah. that. This definitely feels like a busted flush cabinet oh yeah no, none of them are going to be doing anything because there is no interest in any kind of policies outside mm. what's going to happen about brexit yeah and he's going to be driving all of that um we've got amber rudd back with her tiny majority oh yeah gotta remember about amber rudd she was in four weddings yes um so you know is a it's, a, it's... Was she the one who's the aristocracy consultant yeah she was <laughs> um but yeah she's got a tiny majority and it's you yeah know, but again they, they don't care yeah they don't care um, Robert Jenrick, Housing, Communities and Local Government Secretary. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, a young Remainer. Okay. Um, he did a joint op-ed earlier in um, earlier this earlier in the campaign, supporting Boris. Right. So that's why he's been given this. Um, he's famous for owning several very expensive houses. <laughs> Who better to have as housing secretary? Yeah, um, he has. He's a, got so many of them. He has a grade one listed building in Hertfordshire. <laughs> First cabinet minister ever to be born in the nineteen eighties. So you know, you for you for young, young, you for you for young. So that would make him. If they're saying in the nineteen eighties, the upper limit of that is thirty nine. Mm-hmm. He's thirty nine. Yeah, young. It's a young cabinet. Um, Liz Truss, who is not very smart. She's not very smart. She was the one who. Um, oh, she was. She was talking about cheese at the at the conference. Oh yeah, she was the one of like all of our cheese is imported. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so Grant Shapps is back, the man who lies and has fake identities online. Oh yeah, remember him? Of He's course. Transport secretary God, now. There's so many. Like this feels different. Like this. It, obviously, we've made the comparison between Theresa May's ministry and like the uh, the the major years. Mm-hmm. I can't remember there being so many. Low level, low stakes mm-hmm. scandals. Things that maybe would have put people out of of, of office for longer. Would have been would regarded have been as more of a deal. Like, before the internet. What would have been the equivalent of what Grant Shapps is doing? It was just identity fraud. <laughs> like he had like a, a probably like um, a mail fraud campaign. Fake, fake passport, yeah. Yeah. Um, next one, Teresa Villiers, Environment Secretary, who doesn't believe in climate change. Um, oh. She is descended from Elizabeth, uh, from Edward II. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, so another POC. Um, <laughs> um, Person of crowns. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of POCs in this. A lot of POCs in this cabinet. Um, Robert Buckland. 
Lord yeah, Chancellor and Justice Secretary. That's a fucking Tory name if oh, I ever heard Do you want to see one. a picture of him? Yeah, go on then. This Look will work really well. It's, on it's a good Tory walk. Oh my God. It's pure Toryism. Yeah. Um, he's like um, the first Lord Chancellor in living memory who has actually worked as a judge. The first time, oh, they've, wow. first time they've, they've considered it. <laughs> and it's only because like he's the only one there. Um, then we've got Nikki Morgan. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, no, I remember her. She's like a big yeah. time Remainer. Um, she's she's just. <sighs> it's a lot of. Um, it's either young, hard right. Uh, and by young, meaning their 40s. And, and by my young, I mean in their 40s. Yeah. Um, or it's like Nikki Morgan, that again, the name rings a solid bell. I'm pretty sure she's been a minister before. Mm. But I could not tell you. Mm. I have a vague new Labour vibe coming off her. Yeah. Like a Cameroonian, that kind of thing. I think she was. But like yeah. this this does feel like a it's a it's an emergency cabinet and I think it's it feels like it's largely been put there to show spontaneity and vigour. Mm-hmm. Rather it's like, oh I'm not it's it's a pure um vanity exercise from Boris. Sorry, because he wants to um James Cleverly is Minister of Our Portfolio. He was one that worked with him at the when oh, he was London yeah, Mayor. Yeah. I forgot I always forget that it was you Ambassador. <laughs> James Cleverly. <laughs> MP for Braintree, yeah. Yeah, they made yeah. him youth ambassador. They definitely didn't make him youth ambassador because he was the only black Tory in the room. They definitely didn't do that. <laughs> Did they spell it Y O O F? Um I feel like, yeah, this is all kind of, it's meant to project, leave credentials, Mm -hmm. like people who he's personally friends with, his his wing of the party for whatever that's worth. But it shows like how Uh, disparate they are. Like they're actually, there's a bunch of them that are Remainers, a bunch of them that are Leavers. Um, The only thing that holds them all together is in general, they, all of them don't really believe in climate change. They love soldiers and the protecting of soldiers. They're... Just, they're just right wing. They're just super right wing Tories. But it's for him. It's meant to project like he's doing. He is kind of doing a Trump in that he's meant to project this idea of a new broom. I think it's the most cabinet ministers that have ever been replaced. Oh yeah, because the Sun a, did that in lovely thing of um, the Night of the Blonde Eyes, comparing a favourably oh, ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know the Night of the Long Knives was just an incredibly streamlined, well thought out cabinet reshuffle. <laughs> Thank you, the Sun. And then the next day they did a thing with him as the sun. Yeah, they did. Hottest day of the year. Sun God shines on <laughs> Boris. <laughs> Sol Invictus <laughs> has shined upon this new change and shined upon Brexit. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the top three, two out of the top three positions mm-hmm. um, have been taken by the, I think this has been covered quite a lot in uh, in various newspapers two out of the three top positions in the cabinet have been taken by authors of a book called Britannia Unchained we've <laughs> talked about it, we on, did it before. on here before um, <clears throat> so I mean all of the five MP authors of that book are, are now ministers so you've got Dominic Rabb, Foreign Secretary Priti Patel, Home Secretary Quasi Quateng, mm-hmm. uh, Minister Amber for Rudd's Business, lover. Minister in Energy, Minister for Business and Energy. What? <laughs> Did you? No, that's true. What? Amber Rudd's lover, Quasi Quateng. Uh, oh, like their partner, partnered. Um, well, they were having an affair, and she wrote a sexy poem about him. What? What? Uh, how? We've literally talked about this. We must have talked about this before. Did we talk about this? 
I'm not sure. I don't. Have you ne- never heard about um, Amber Rudd's um, sexy poem about Quasi Quateng? No. Find it. Find it now. Okay. Amber Rudd. Do all I have of to? it. All of it. Read all of it, Hugh. Darling, let us spend the night. Sachet past St. Mary's Castle. Home to bed, dim the light. I'll move your world throughout the night. Oh, honeyed words are most enticing. Loving you is so exciting. But why, dear heart, did you not mention that what we'll do for contraception? Don't you worry, we'll be fine. Take a risk just this time. Tonight's for pleasure. Take a chance. Think of now at our romance. Oh, no, darling, you don't tell me that they did that. What you say is so revealing. If risk is in your mood and speech, how about bingo on the beach? Now, I'm pretty certain I've read a lot of stuff. I'm pretty certain I've read a lot of stuff about him. That being about Quasi Quato. Okay. <laughs> Allegedly. Let's say that. No, no, misattribute poetry. <laughs> when did she write that? I don't know. That must have been recently, presumably. Um, I don't know. Actually, no, it was quite a while ago, I think. Well, not quite a while, but... Because, um, I mean, they're, like, in their kind of late 40s. Yeah. Aren't they? Right. <laughs> I don't know if Seymour Tories are. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I say... Um, Oh, I'm bothered now. <laughs> if you told me you were going to read me... Uh, smart. <laughs> read smart. High class smart to you. No horny on this podcast. No, this is a horny podcast. <laughs> all smart all the time. Not eroticism. Smart. <laughs> I'm a smart peddler. Dirty Hughes Emporium. <laughs> Dirty Hughes Smart Emporium. <laughs> Dealing only in poems by high-ranking <laughs> members of the cabinet. Oh God! Oh, there, there's, there must be more. Oh yeah, there's one hundred percent more. Yeah, because they're sending a poem. Yeah, lovely. Boris Johnson. Oh. Has, Boris Johnson has definitely written a sexy limerick. <laughs> he wrote, didn't he write? Did he write a writing novel? He probably has. Who hasn't? <laughs> I don't want to read Boris Johnson's erotic novel next week <laughs> a review of Boris Johnson's erotic novel and if he hasn't written one we'll write we're it. writing one for him <laughs> yep okay right. yeah so uh, all of the um, Britannia Unchained mm-hmm. that's uh, the title of that poem by the way um, <laughs> all of the Britannia Unchained writers yeah they uh, are now in cabinet. Mm-hmm. Two out of them, two of them are in high-ranking positions. You might remember the most famous quote that gets bandied about from it was the one about uh, the British being the worst idlers in the world. Yep. Uh, they say we work amongst the lowest hours, we retire early, and our productivity is poor. Whereas Indian children aspire to be doctors or businessmen, the British are more interested in football and pop music. Um, a couple of uh, little quotes from Britannia Unchained. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 21st century Britain in 21st century Britain more people look to others to solve their problems the dependency culture has grown dramatically by February 2012 5.7 million people of working age were collecting some kind of benefits at over 13% of the working population this is one of the highest proportions in the OECD damn girl what happened in 2012 in 2010 <laughs> yeah nothing why would there possibly be a higher rate of unemployment uh, oh, I mean, that actually also doesn't say anything about the rate of unemployment. It just says benefits, mm. some kind of benefits. So, really, you can tell where they've got where they're going with this. Well, people working hard in the noughties and then they decided to slack it off. Yeah. Also, I'm going <laughs> for no reason. I'm going to bet that you know they don't really have a problem with tax breaks. No. They, well, no, of course they don't. You know, um, 
They continue, it is now clear that unless we get a grip of these problems, the next British generation will end up with a diminished share of the world's wealth and resources. It is also likely that the new ideas which will shape the world may come from India or Brazil rather than Britain. There is a weird thing with, like, British... I say weird. It's completely explicable and understandable. Um, the British elite, and it's in... There's there's a lot of members of the Labour Party. Not the Corbyn-y bit, but the other bits. Um, and the Tory Party and the Lib Dems. Who seem to feel entitled that we always deserve a certain share of the success. Mm. That there's a certain place in the world that Britain should always be. Yeah. When we are just a rainy, dying fash island. Yeah. And we have been punching above our weight for a long time. Not through any particular ingenuity, but from a sort of innovative cruelty. There's a, yeah, there's if a... Anything, it was like... It's not that we were the first ones to invent like something really useful that then changed how everyone looked at the world. We were just the first ones to get the Chinese hooked on heroin. <laughs> yeah. It's like things like that. We were the first one to think to send a, like gunboats to Japan. Or, yeah. You know, some shit like that. It's, you know? it's stuff it's you know, stuff like that. It's yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a product of the fact that we never had that proper post imperial phase. We never like a lot of people in this country just never detoxified themselves from what had happened in the empire they never yeah. came to like terms with it mm-hmm. so naturally they're still world leaders mm-hmm. and in certain aspects that's true but only on top of the pile that like imperialism built you know yeah. what i mean and the idea that you might fall off that, that new ideas might come from somewhere else yeah, is a really a really odd thing but you'll see why they uh, why they compare it uh, in a sec so they go on and compare kind of the youth and workers of Britain unfavorably to those of developing economies. They say young people in India and South Korea are more likely to work hard at school in order to enter well-paid and respected professions. Uh, damn, those uh, those well-paid professions mm-hmm. should get some of those. I'd like some. Um, like, it's weird because they have to like in in those kind of things they have to kind of say that oh you know kids in India they're so they're so desperate to be to be well paid that they're they're happy to go into um, professions they have to kind of posit that they're doing that for capitalist reasons i.e. personal enrichment but that also because they're conservatives and they have a cultural edge to this they have to kind of say that it has a socially beneficial nature it's like oh all these Indian uh, kids are working really hard to become like well paid doctors mm-hmm. and it's like pay your doctors in this country more yeah like. They already are paid for it. Yeah, well, I mean, junior doctors aren't, aren't paid all that well. But yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's like they criticise um, like British kids for going into like sports and entertainment, like working yeah. class kids for going into sport and entertainment. And it's like, what about the Thatcher era said that the accumulation of wealth was a bad thing no matter how you did it? Yeah. Like you told them to do that. Mm-hmm. You told them to take the, the path of least resistance mm-hmm. to the most wealth, which is sports and entertainment. And it's always like a roll of the dice because mm. it's like there's a certain element of like innate talent. Mm. There is a lot of hard work involved in those things, but there's still be actually being selected on Pop Idol or whatever. There's an element of, of like oh, gotcha. luck to it. And that has conditioned people's like responses to how they approach their own lives, I think, mm. quite a lot of, of the time. It's interesting seeing um, the response of a lot of the press. Well, LBC did this. It was like a whole load of people were genuinely confused by the Fortnite thing. Yeah. And like, oh my God, all this money. Yeah. And all this stuff. And like, it's not real. But it's like, try to work. It's like, oh yeah. They the, want to say it's stupid. If you say like time. Twitch streamers making shitloads of money, it's mm. like, 
you're you kind of like, oh, well done. Mm. You know, you've you've managed to eke out a living like that. But also, you recognise that it's like a late capitalist. But yeah, there's this weird thing. It's a late like capitalist right, disease, right wingers, that kind of thing. It's like the thing with like um, like Belle Delphine. Perfect okay. example. Yes, right wingers look at someone like Belle Delphine and they say this is disgusting, and it's disgusting that she's able that she has this many followers and she is able to make this much money. Right wingers and um, and liberals yeah. say this, whereas most left wingers I know respect the grift. Yeah, and it's this weird thing that we're in this the way the world is at the moment that the people who do like the most shameless grifting, mm. the only respect they get are from people like us. Who will who see will, them gone? Who would like to abolish the conditions that? Yes, yeah, that's grift. the thing. Yeah, um, but it's weird. Like we're the only ones that properly respect the man who sells the monorail. It's because, like, I think a certain level of left wing thought like comes from lived experience, and that mm. lived experience is living in a world where you don't believe in the things that you're doing. Mm. Right wingers have to believe in the things they're doing. If yeah. you're an entrepreneur, yeah, like that's the myth of like yeah, the last. Yeah, you have to pretend like twenty years of like I work so hard, but I love what I do. Yeah, it's the difference. You like um. The, uh, like right winger looking at say like um what are the like the brewery around here that yeah. like what are the little microbreweries that the blokes who started that that they are good hard working entrepreneurs they make their money honestly and they give jobs to people yeah. whereas Belle Delphine is somehow cheating yeah because there's a because there has to be a moral element because yeah. that's what ties it into social good Tories do believe in a social good mm-hmm. it's just they have to eke it out because their methods are so fucking abhorrent mm-hmm. um. Yeah, uh, they go on about like uh, the symptoms of British decline, the same way as Thatcher did in the 80s. Uh, Symptoms of decline seem to have returned. Radical political views are gaining support. Agonised navel-gazing is now the fashion. Debating the distribution of growth rather than how to grow the economy as a whole. Even the three-day week is back in fashion. What? I mean, also, like, remember what we said last week about Extinction Rebellion, about Mm -hmm. how they have one note, which is grow the economy and tech. Yeah. Don't do anything else. Yeah. If you do anything else, it's a desperately balanced system, a desperately mm. nuanced system. If you alter one tiny little thing, it will all come crashing down. It'll be your fault. Growth and tech. Yeah. It's gross. Um, uh, they talk about the <laughs> the buccaneers, an exploration of business innovation and entrepreneurial drive. In this particular chapter, the achievements of Israel are celebrated in the area of science and technology. Yeah, because yeah. of course. Well, yeah, again, it's, of course. It's, it's always fine. Because that's their, again, their kind of moral will to power yeah. of making something out of nothing. That's what they believe is the unique capitalist spirit. Because yeah. they don't talk about it in material terms, they talk about it in moral and like vitality terms. Yeah, it's that weird thing like um, moral Israeli health. Israeli scientific development. Yeah. They never talk about funding, state funding. Yeah, I mean, it could be pretty good if we got, you know, like however much percent of our budget covered by the US every year. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be amazing what you <laughs> if could we spend money on. Then you could spend that much money on researching security cameras. Yeah, and, you know, weaponised wall-tunnelling drones. Yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's weird, I don't, whenever they talk about, like, buccaneer spirit, these people, they're always, like, into, like, privateers and stuff like that. And I just really, I quite like the idea of Boris, like, a new vision for a post-Brexit Britain of a new generation of privateers in that he's going to give licence to people to go abroad and steal patterns. Like the Chinese. Like the Chinese well, like, do. Was it the French or the British who went to China and stole the two... Like, you know how silkworms mm-hmm. were... Um, like, if you 
uh, if you if you had a silkworms on you, you were oh, yeah, condemned you were, to death because yeah. it was such a heavily protected industry, the yeah. silk industry. And like, I think it was either a Frenchman or a, an Englishman went and stole a couple of um, silkworms, and that's where like the French or British English silk industry comes Look, from. I don't think you understand. The West deserves to always be on top because <laughs> of innovation. It was do, do innovation. Think- they didn't think to bring a ladder. <laughs> they did not lock their windows. <laughs> they didn't even have any windows. <laughs> Just kind of wooden slots. <laughs> they say, uh, changing Britain needs a relentless energy and determined focus. Vitally, we will need to be tougher in taking on vested interests. These occur in lots of guises, through bureaucratic inertia and many of the perks with the generous welfare state lavished on previous generations. We have to ensure the general climate for business is attractive. We should stop indulging in irreverent debate, irrelevant debates about sharing the pie between manufacturing and services, the North and South, men and women. Instead, we should focus on try to, trying to make it easier for firms to recruit people and ensuring the tax mm-hmm. burden is less onerous. Mm-hmm. After the financial crisis of 2008, many people in the West began to question the basis of free market capitalism. Yet in the emerging economy, Economies of Asia, South America and Africa, economic progress continued unabated. In these countries, individual initiative and free enterprise continue to drive progress. Britannia Unchained is unembarrassed about its, its support for business, the profit motive and the individual drive of the wealth creator. Yeah, I wonder why all those countries in South America and <laughs> Africa and Southeast Asia embraced capitalism. There didn't seem to be any opposition to them throughout the 20th century, or if there was, I never heard of it, and it just seemed to disappear. All the people who were agitating against free market and capitalist markets, they just suddenly stopped talking around the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's very strange. I don't know what happens. All we're left with is all these right-wing militias. Odd. Ask Vince Gable about it. So yeah, like, these are pure, hard-right, free market ideologues Mm -hmm. in a very traditional, like familiar way mm-hmm. they're not libertarians the first oh, no. the first anecdote in the book is actually about um that malaysian student who got beaten up in the london riots mm-hmm. and they tie that into the fabric of society is unraveling yeah. and it never sits well with the kind of things that they imagine a free market does and a free market operates mm-hmm. under it's um it's weird because there yeah, there aren't the you'd think with the kind of aura that boris has tried to put out and the press have generally helped him is the notion of that he's quite socially liberal and stuff like that yeah and he's more of a libertarian guy and he's not no um, no 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 um but i saw today that there's um his team around him because he's got quite a weird team of like so the cabinet are right wing as hell yeah but he's got people in his actual team who do things like say that amory waters is great like his <laughs> like his yeah. team of like speech writers and stuff yeah. like that but um, he's there's people in favour of legalising weed. And it's mm-hmm. the thing that I always thought it wasn't going to be a libertarian or anything like that that was mm-hmm. going to legalise weed. The, the legalising weed thing will happen for the same reason that um, gay marriage happened. And that is, when the approval ratings get to 55 say yes, 45 say no, suddenly everyone's in favour of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're going to need money. Yeah. The idea would be to put it out there and tax it and create weed entrepreneurs like they did in like Colorado where mm-hmm. for one of a better like way of putting it um a- a- like African American drug dealers have been locked up by the score oh, yeah. for for decades mm-hmm. and now that it's been legalized you have a bunch of largely white entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are actually the ones making money off it yeah you know it's a uh, it's 
you'd think it would be more socially progressive than it is, but turning it into a business obviously introduces mm. that kind of element into it, mm. whereby it's it's still established like entrepreneurial classes that are that are benefiting from it. Yeah. You know? What is that thing of um who's oh it's a husband of someone in the someone in Theresa May's cabinet who had the largest weed farm because we've got one of the largest weed farms in the world in this country. Oh, really? Yeah, um, and we ship it all to America. Oh, like medicinal. Yeah, no. but um, it's one. It was one of the. It was sure it was a husband of someone in the cabinet who oh, has, right, okay. who is the like one of the largest weed farmers in the world. Again, like yeah, and sure. It's like why growing, not? It's like growing in the the southwest or something. <laughs> because of course, yeah. You've just got a really massive house and a really massive loft. <laughs> just a gigantic <laughs> loft. It's the only reason he's the biggest. The biggest. It's because like it's the loft of a castle. Have you seen castles? It's yeah. like the loft of a cathedral. It's the loft of a man. Like yeah, this huge manor house, yeah. stuffed. You know, like they sometimes tie like um, like plants around the columns in old cathedrals. Yeah, it's just that, but with weed. Yeah, oh, that'd be awesome. Weed cathedral. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's go and pour some doom. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I'm, I'm sure I've I've gone to see weed cathedral. <laughs> um. Yeah, so like they, they kind of rail against entrenched interests. Mm-hmm. This was obviously them largely coming in, it's 2012, so it's them coming in fresh, presumably with this kind of reforming zeal, but none of them have any particular problem with their own entrenched interests. For instance, Pretty Patel this week, it was uh, revealed that she's been taking, um, she's been paying, being paid £5,000 a month from a US company that supplies the MOD, and that she's also a director of Acloud an accounting software firm which targets firms in India. Uh, for which she gets paid £45,000 a year for 20 hours work a month. <laughs> wow. Hard work. How dare she complain about success. a three-day week? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I know that um, this cabinet, we've got like the most people that have been given loads of money by the tobacco industry than, than like ever before. <laughs> yeah. And I saw there was rumours, and it's a stupid idea, mm. but it would be kind of funny if they did it. Um... I saw a rumor that they weren't they were going to reduce duty on cigarettes. No, I mean you'd have to have you balls. could freeze it, but but I just I just love the idea of like Boris is just like the idea of like the first pro smoking like just Boris just coming out smoking smoking cigarettes like Boris making smoking cool again. Tom, um, Tom no, Young no, no. If he's going to be the first epic prime minister, oh. the, the first epic oh. bacon prime minister, it will be a pipe. Oh. It'll either be a, one of those like really curly ones, the uh, horn rim, horn rimmer. Like um Sherlock Holmes. Like yeah, Sherlock yeah. Holmes pipe. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember what they're called. Or it'll be one of those like long clay pipes that you break down after uh, oh. after you use it. You know it you know it because that's what he is. That he's I think like half of this cabinet has been selected because I think he has half an idea of taking the alt right thing of this will like this will piss off the libs. Yeah. Even though the libs in this country are like completely degraded oh, yeah. um from like any kind of they've been angry since Brexit. Yeah. And there's nothing that he's going to do that will piss them off any more. No. I don't I don't I mean I guess it's it's kind of a disorienting process doing that. It's really weird. Putting so many right wingers in there uh, all at it's once. A really weird so thing. only so many op-eds you have a week. It's <laughs> yeah. like this he's pissing off he's like pissed off the liberals for years mm. and he's about to piss them off even more and it's going to really break their hearts to vote for him again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so. Well, it's either that or vote for the most racist party since the (laughs) National Front, in Dan Hodges' words. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, I mean, it also could be 
like I think what's probably more likely is it's less his ideological enemies in the country at large, more likely his personal enemies within the party. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can imagine. Has he sent a, te- a message to David Cameron yet? Because they had that famous rivalry. Yeah. Has he sent a message to him? Has he sent a, like a, a, t- a picture of like a pig's head. the empty cabinet office <laughs> with a pig's head on it? Yeah, probably. Said yeah. like I did the pig. Yeah. It's my pig now. <laughs> um, now yeah, I'm in charge of all the pigs in the country. I saw that um, it's like normally it's within a day that they that the prime minister phones the t- phones the Taoiseach, and he hasn't yet because of course he doesn't. Give a no, toss. there were a lot. I was kind of vaguely watching the coverage today, and he's in Northern Ireland, yeah. and he did. They did say that there have been various back channel like threats. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, basically, uh, threats to the EU saying we'll leave with a no deal if you don't cancel the backstop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of messages to, uh, I think Leo Varadkar actually came out and said, no, the backstop is, is still, it has to be in place because, you know, it does have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's testing, he seems to be testing a few different, like, little boundaries yeah. around what exists already and is finding himself being rebuffed because the EU is big and strong and... I would probably say more ruthless than I said. The British, bigger, the British stronger government. than that broad-foreheaded <laughs> Ubermensch. I mean, they own the ogres. <laughs> they have the ogres of the forest that he's supposed to slay. <laughs> so, who's stronger, the person well, who slays them. the ogre or the? <laughs> they've been supporting them for years because of that EU thing of like supporting native industries. <laughs> the native, the native troll industry. Yeah. We've been making artificial caves. Yeah, they've been like well, well, some of those, some of the places where the ogres were living in the Black Forest looked really ramshackled. Years of mismanagement, and now they're better than ever. They've got hundreds of trolls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Na- na- you know, now the trolls are threatened. Yeah, yeah, you're going after the trolls. What happened when the when the kobolds decided to come over? Hey, <laughs> For- fortress Europe then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think like the preponderance of leave. I know it's like there's more remain ministers kind of in the in the lower jobs ministers yeah. of state and stuff the fact that there's so many leave very prominent leave mm-hmm. people at the top um, and not just leave like like uber u- leave like maybe not necessarily no deal leave but certainly leave at all costs yeah. and i think that kind of i think he's probably got an inkling that when this all comes apart and the tory party comes apart when parliament meets again mm-hmm. um that he can push through his leave on October 31st, no matter what it is. Yeah. So even if he has Theresa May's deal, like we've talked about it before with Labour, how the British state has a way of ingratiating the people that are in it into, into its way of thinking, mm-hmm. of, of moderating certain, certain impulses, radical impulses in them. I think that's probably true for this lot as well. They would, as prominent cabinet ministers they would rather have the leave and then deal with the fallout than stick to a no-deal Brexit or a, a hard Brexit in yeah. in any case, you know? Um, yeah, like, I think it is weird how it was all done, although it was kind of a lot of ministers leaving and, and going so quickly, um, he does seem to have tried to stri- strike this, like, energetic, vital, vital tone mm. like like he's got vigor like he's a man not afraid of making decisions to kind of contrast himself with Theresa may um and it's a weird link between like the britannia unchained thing which constantly talks about like 
What you need is willpower. What you need is yeah. we need to restore vitality without ever really explaining what that is. Mm. Um, the Thatcherite right always like always did do that. They talked about making the economy dynamic and vital and action and movement and all these kind of buzzwords. And it's partially as a result of you know Thatcher was taking on like monolithic, supposedly monolithic and unchanging enemies. Yeah. What she saw as enemies in 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 the form of the like British welfare state, but also because that's the political philosophy of of like primitive let's say primitive neoliberalism mm-hmm. you know it's movement it's movement of capital movement of people constant changing you know being the shark that always has to keep moving yeah um and it's a weird kind of um it's like an allegory like made flesh hmm. because like neoliberalism at its core is like this very totalitarian um surrender of all human activity to the movements of the market so like it's a result of having to fit kind of normal human beings into this constantly moving responsive price mechanism. Mm-hmm. And they kind of apply, they apply that to, yeah, to all, all humanity. And like, I did remind me the other day of considering, you know, they're all saying, Oh, he's, he's really getting on with the job, Boris. He's really, you know, he's re- like so vigorous and healthy. Mm-hmm. And do you remember like literally three weeks? Yeah. You remember literally three weeks ago when the story was Jeremy Corbyn is too frail for number ten. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that, and now it kind of makes more sense about mm-hmm. the way the way yeah. it's going. You know, well, there's um, it's carrying on with the stuff. Like I've noticed, there's um, there's quite a lot of people like the liberal enemies of Jeremy Corbyn who have pivoted now to Jeremy Corbyn instead of Jeremy Corbyn as a monster to Jeremy Corbyn as a tired old man being manipulated. Yeah. That he's friendly. And pivoted that. back to. They've been yeah. they've been going yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I, that was the, like the original one. Yeah. Um, but the one now is... <coughs> I think it was like James O'Brien was saying like he had a senior cabinet source who was saying that you can't get to Jeremy Corbyn. They just like divert you away and like if you could talk to Jeremy, he's really friendly and he's always really helpful. Mm. But you can't get to him because you get constantly moved around by these young people mm. who think differently. Young people like Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah, what's um like? What's interesting about kind of like arguing whether Boris would kind of take on the hard right kind of cost cutting free market kind mm-hmm. of style of 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 his the rest of his cabinet? We talked on here before about how Boris really is the only hope for the Tory Party being kind of a new wave, mm-hmm. the next wave of conservatism, yeah. which is falls on the fundamental principle that he has literally no ideas of his mm-hmm. own. Yeah. He's a complete chameleon. He will say whatever he thinks will get him out of whatever situation. Uh, I mean, the difference now is he's going to be pinned down, hopefully, by constant attention, let's say. He might not get pinned down in any kind of meaningful way, but there will be constant attention on him, which before he could retreat yeah. into the shadows and not hopefully be on the it'll mean that for a bit. He can be voted out. I am very much looking forward to journalists holding him to account. No, I don't. I don't believe that in in any way. They will in pin any... him down. He will not wriggle out of he this. He is one. so embarrassed. I cannot. But he, this is quite the jam he's gotten into. <laughs> oh, he got out of it. Nevertheless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like you could look at you could look at the rest of his cabinet and say, oh, they've they've got a philosophy that's new. Mm-hmm. It's not really that new. It's exactly oh, God, no. the, It's exactly the same Thatcherite bullshit that well, they've no. been they've been going on. And what like what well, is, you could see or any of those people would think that, say there was like a new version of the Stealing the Silkworms. Yeah. <laughs> they would say that that was an amazingly innovative thing. Yeah. Actually, they probably have said it. At least one of them, if they know any, if they knew <laughs> about it. 
would well, say like, oh, it was just it was a smart thing to do. <laughs> I mean, well, even look at like those lazy Chinese people. They were keeping the silk all to themselves. We just opened up the silk market. That's a monopoly. Mm. That's mm. not what we believe. Yeah, and that's why I stole all their words. But even even divorced from like the content of what they're they're talking mm. about, look at the way like the way Britannia Unchained was received was mm. it was immediately pigeonholed as, um, oh look, these are the hard right people in the Conservative Party. Mm. If you can identify a new, like a supposedly novel political philosophy before its founding text or its like thesis can be laid out, then it's not a new. No, it's not a new thing. It's not something to to energize them. They're the people who think that if Thatcher had had ten more years, everything would have been all right. Yeah, you know, and like that's there's a big argument at the moment. There was a really good article um, in the Guardian, like a long read in the Guardian about zombie conservatism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Andy Beckett. And he was talking about how what's happened within conservatism, and that's like American conservatism as well, is whereas previously people like Thatcher and, and Reagan could look at, either consciously or unconsciously, recognise that the welfare state of the 70s produced a, like creamed off the top of the working class and turned them into lower middle class. Mm-hmm. And that created a new like class structure with people with different interests from like their parents or you know their their birth situations you know they have different priorities so they'll vote for for different things um so yeah either consciously or unconsciously they were responding to to class interests what's happened over the last like 20 years is conservatism has become completely divorced from i mean reality Mm -hmm. like you look at like ian duncan smith trying to introduce the um uh what's it called the allowance Job seek, the the new um, job seek. The universal basis. The universal... No. The universal... Universal credit. Universal credit, right. Trying to introduce that. Sitting there, day after day, mm-hmm. saying it's working, it's been an outstanding success, where you have hundreds, if not thousands, of stories of people actually dying. Mm-hmm. Disabled people getting told they have to go to work when they can't. Mm-hmm. Of, of horrific, like these horrific stories of assessments that have been done. Um, and people being told they can still go to work and, you know, like being terminally ill or something like mm-hmm. that. And him sitting there continually. At one point, I think there was there was one uh, interview they cited in that in that article where he was... Um, they were said, oh, well, the evidence shows that it doesn't work. And he said, basically, ah, oh, well, you can't point to the evidence because we didn't produce any. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's what the Tories are, are used to now. Yeah. They're squeaking elections just about yeah. by manipulating the electoral system mm-hmm. and gerrymandering and just about and hanging relying on. Relying on young people still not really voting. Relying on people not turning out. And it's still not really doing it. They haven't mm. won an outright election since... Uh, well, I mean, they've just about... Theresa May just about won in the yeah. election. Uh, David Cameron won, won a very, very small majority and he's the most successful conservative leader. Since Let's, Thatcher's. Since Thatcher's last... I can't remember. I don't think John Major in '92 yeah. won a larger majority. Mm. I'd have to look that up, but it's still not impressive. No. So they're just about sneaking these electoral wins, and it's because their success has kind of aligned them to larger forces that they're now in in hock to. They're like there was a conservative philosopher John Gray who said, like, yeah, their their corporate and their global interests directly conflict with their their local and, and like domestic agendas. Mm-hmm. Whatever they do, like. And Pretty Patel and the Britannia Unchained people are a perfect example of this. All they talk about are local entrepreneurs and dynamism and small-scale things of, of, as a way to like bring poor people up. Yeah. 
and yet they're allied with the largest forces in capitalism. Mm -hmm. But they keep making this case that their form of capitalism is like the real one. Yeah. Ignoring all the evidence of how capitalism actually exists and how it is actually performed every day. Mm. And being in and actually being paid by those forces. It's so like it's just a debased form of conservatism. Yeah, you know? it is pretty it's it, it I find it really frustrating because it's so painfully obvious and clear well, it's clear to like people like us mm. and other people like us. Um but it's, it's just, it is the fact that being a Tory, you just get to play politics on easy. And the that's, way that they're treated in the press is so well, That's the other thing. For the last 30 or 40 years, they've had a predominantly right-wing press. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's, I think that's like the thing that I hate the most, I think, about the refusal of liberal or centrist journalists to accept the, the very validity or the validity or existence of the Corbyn project, mm-hmm. of the left swing in the Labour Party, of treating it like it's illegitimate, because they've completely stopped talking about the right-wing press. That used to be standard liberal canon, that mm-hmm. the, the press was resolutely Tory as mm-hmm. a whole. And that's kind of stopped, because all of the most prominent centrists are all journalists, yeah. or they're all lawyers. They're in those, <laughs> as Bridget Patel would say, like those well-paid professions. Yeah. Um, and it's com- left them completely crippled mm-hmm. as to... They're, they're, I mean, obviously, they're, they're other ones who are completely deluding themselves about the nature of what's going on in Britain. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, a, it's a, a very weird thing. Yeah, so... And also, the, the supposed hard-right leanings of this, this particular group at the top of the cabinet... Mm-hmm. S- Boris doesn't seem to be making the kind of noises that... Uh, seem to suggest he's going to go on a disaster capitalism kind of cutting rampage. Yeah. Um, the only thing <laughs> papers have been reporting about his economic philosophy and calling it boosterism, mm-hmm. which he hasn't used himself because, as I understand it, in America has a slightly like hucksterish like vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was reported that senior Tories said the new prime minister had made it clear he wants rocket boosters placed under the economy in the run-up to Brexit with a huge investment in infrastructure and an end to the tight austerity spending rules that have characterised the last decade. Regret to inform you that all the factories are burned down. <laughs> if I wanted to grow the economy, hmm. I would simply grow the economy. <laughs> you can't just say that. You've got to say rockets. <laughs> I've got to say rockets. Yeah. We need to burn some fossil fuels in order to boost this economy. Maybe by apply rockets to it, he means he wants to do like a modern Operation Paperclip and just hire a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> For the economy. Um, so we've got Jobbik in senior positions now. <laughs> uh, senior city sources say that Mr Johnson's economic credo combines a Blairite enthusiasm for infrastructure spending coupled with a Thatcherite belief in the power of tax cuts. What? So, hang on. No, okay, yeah, carry on. <laughs> um... On Saturday, he unveiled his plan for the regions of the UK post-Brexit and revealed a little more of his motivation. Not once, not twice, but three times during the speech, he insisted that he was not trying to make the rest of the country like London. Through the remainder of that 45-minute address, he laid out precisely how the rest of the country could and should become more like London. <laughs> I think you're asking me a lot of questions on my I'm not trying to turn you all into London t-shirt answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, his plan is to replicate the four ingredients of economic dynamism that he identified as mayor. Livability, connectivity culture and power 
in depressed parts of northern and coastal England through a massive programme of investment in transport, infrastructure, public services, tax incentives and further devolution. Sorry. He, ca- he calls f- it levelling up. Sorry, I had oh. to say it in a Job kind of way. Oh, but it's like, I, I call it for country. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's like when he was mayor and the things he identified that made London, made London successful. And it's like, he comes out with a load of policies like, the city of London's allowed to do whatever the fuck it wants. <laughs> Sometimes they give us some money. <laughs> We will be moving all of the poor populations out to the Isle of Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, naturally, idiots like fucking Francis Yeatman were doing th- saying things like, Oh, Boris has convinced me he's a socialist. Oh, God, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. The boy, Boris outing himself as a socialist. Outing and it's like, do you understand the fucking beginning that like socialism isn't just more money it is. isn't just more state money no, it is it's more money it's well to be fair i'm gonna blame people like um some of like the navara kind of and the corbidite attitude the momentum stuff for that for like how easy it is for people to go like, it's like uh, yeah what's socialism socialism's a smile on a baby's face it's a big bag of cans it's the nhs it's the army it's like no it's prisons it's it's, <laughs> it's this copper stopping and searching you that's yeah. socialism it's this giant border wall we're building with state money <laughs> It's 10,000 border guards socialism yeah <laughs> whereas you know like I, I, to be fair to the Corbyn Project there have been like little bits and they've usually been the best bits that talk about actually spending that money in like different ways mm-hmm. of you know um, changing where the money goes changing the processes by which that money is allocated and spent and, and who decides that stuff you know local democracy and all mm. that kind of stuff um and yeah, he's already started to... Boris has already started to go back... Johnson. Mm-hmm. Johnson has already started to... You I need can't. to stop calling him Johnson because I can literally see your boner. I'm going... Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult. He's an attractive man. <laughs> um, he's already started to... Stop thinking about him. Stop it. Think about the other one. Be the silky hand in my glove. <laughs> Be the spiky ball on the end of my mace. <laughs> okay, Boris. All right, Boris. Boris. <laughs> Fine, Boris then. He's talking. He's even rowing back on the idea that they could be that we could be in the single market for uh, the customs union for a couple of years. Yeah, it's like he said yeah, that when he was in Wales because um, the farmers were freaking out that they were going to have to kill all their animals <laughs> to make any money. Yeah, and, but the thing, I think he's just lying. <laughs> I think he doesn't. He still has the same affliction that the Conservative Party has in that he knows. He sounds like fucking Cameron. Mm-hmm. He's doing the Northern Powerhouse. He's kind of vaguely inching around green capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of vaguely inching around green capitalism in that he never actually says anything and appoints a load of climate change denial- denialists to his cabinet. Yeah. But, you know, at some point, someone's going to come up with a really great Which hydroelectric it? fan that you can attach to your house. Yeah. That he's not going to give any funding to, or tax breaks, or allow you to sell your electricity back to the national grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's still that thing of he doesn't. Nothing I've seen so far. It's only been a week. Nothing I've seen so far actually matches a policy up to even the like most naked political ambition of like electoral politics. Mm-hmm. He's not forging a new constituency for the Tory party. No, he's trying to vaguely maintain some of the jolly fun like jolly fun persona he had that's aimed at no one in particular and that is convincing diminishing numbers of people other than like who is Boris as leader going to attract to the Conservative Party as a new member people who hate Corbyn they're already there yeah 
like even Blair like recognised that the the structure of society has ch- had changed mm. and who he could kind of appeal his message to. Yeah. Um, and you know, like all of these people he's appointed, the hard right nature of them. I, like I say, being in government does dull radical instincts just because of the nature of Westminster and the way it is. And they're definitely not probably not as hard into free market capitalism in a reckless way as they were, let's say, oh, well, I mean, it was 2012, so seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're ideologically flexible enough that they won't really be looking for a disaster capitalism outcome um, because largely disaster capitalism in the, in the wake of Brexit, I can't see any of their patrons particularly benefiting from it. No. If you're to, if they're allied to national capital, like large blocks of national capital, they're not going to necessarily want it. If they're aligned to like large global corporations, they're going to have less of an impact. With, um, they're going to have less easy access. Like the people in the Tory party that are in favour of the disaster stuff... Mm. It's people like Rhys Mogg, and he's not. Well, he's there, but he's it's not really it's not a proper job. He's the one sat handing out like lines, isn't he? No, absolutely. He has a he has like a, a weird ritualistic attachment to capitalism, and that's no. What I mean, no, uh, no. But all of his investments are in um, they're in companies that um, oh yeah, that, oh yeah, yeah. That, so, sorry, that, yeah. That, that literally put, like are like vultures on countries that are doing badly. Yeah. Um, and what I mean is that, like I'd think I'd be more concerned that Boris was going for that kind of thing if he was in a position. Other than the one he's in, yeah. which is in the bit where he tells you to shine your shoes properly. Yeah, I, it's a it's a strange thing. Like you know what, Boris is the master of literally saying two things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe he'll be able to make two the two separate things fit of like spending a load of money, but also being a, a tax cutting capitalist and keeping the deficit down and all of that stuff that was so important to oh, them. He's so he's going to make the deficit go up really high. And he's yeah, blame the Labour Party. You know, like, oh, I'm going to have really fast, immediate growth, but I'm also not going to... I'm also going to make sure the economy grows slower to help climate change. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to have a no deal... You know, I'm going to pilot our way to a deal by the 31st of October, no matter what it is. Oh, it will be this to... He's saying it. the Brexit deal will be this to some people, this to others. Maybe he can square that. Uh, it would be the limits mm. of his fucking power, though. Yeah. And like I say, he's under the he's under the spotlight more than he would have been because he can't retreat, mm-hmm. or at least he shouldn't be able to. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, whether he closes these gaps in conservative thinking is one thing. He still can't arrest the ultimate problem, which is the conservative movement in this country is is dying. Watch yeah. out for him. Maybe bringing Bannon closer. Maybe trying to get some of that all-important vitality from the alt-right. Yeah. But again, they're very negative. If, if they're a component of the conservative movement, they're very negative. Mm-hmm. They don't have... They have things they hate, but they don't have anything... Like, what like. are they going to say about, you know, zoning laws? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what, um, how many more promises he makes and how much more he ties... Like, I thought that it was going to be kind of... It's cheating that, you know, he becomes Prime Minister and then everyone goes on holiday. Yeah. But he's going to be doing the kind of... He's tooling himself up ready for an election. I think he's... And so he's going to be going around making promises to people. And it's going to be interesting to see how many conflicting promises he makes and how tied up he gets in time for an election. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not quite a, a Trump, but he's certainly mm. a person who's more conscious of his own image. And I guess this 
this kind of whirlwind tour is him moving from Boris the joke to Boris the joke statesman, mm-hmm. I guess, because Richard Seymour made this point. For all of the hard right stuff, for all of the petty bourgeois politicking and like 80s petty bourgeois class boost, mm-hmm. like boosterism, whatever you want to call it, that Thatcher did, he's not that. No. He's not some Aravist from the suburbs who's come in to shake up the Conservative Party and bring in a whole load of working class and middle class Tories. No. He is bang in the middle of that system. He's the same as... He literally has the same path as Cameron. Well, yeah, they were literally the they same year. They were literally at the same year, literally at the same school, and he's got a couple of personal characteristics that are different from Cameron's. With his blonde. That's mainly it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have that. Even if he puts in the Sajid Javids and the Pretty Patels of this world, he doesn't have what they have, which is what Thatcher had mm. with you know the Norman Tebbit kind yeah. of style conservative. That's mm. what they are. That even is overtired. Yeah. They can't. They haven't got any working class conservatism other than animating people, old people's worst fears, and trying to stoke the worst fears of young people vis-a-vis racial genocide. and immigrants and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it is exhausted there's nothing Boris has done in the past week that has suggested that he's any different that Mm -hmm. he's got any new ideas it's just another it's the latest chapter in the decline of Conservative Party Uh, that's us for this week you can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast you can follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing and we'll see you next week thanks Bye. bye But fighting am the least about the fighting game.